straight ahead with the 606 Club from Midnight Wednesday. You say that it's over now But still you hang around me Come on, won't you move over
welcome back to this week's 606 Club Straight Ahead show with myself, David, jazz and conversation for the next couple of hours. We just listened to a track from China Moses. She's in the process of recording her seventh studio album, which is slated for release next year. And whilst we wait for that, they've dropped on us a four-track EP, along with the Vibe Tribe we just listened to Move Over. Our guest on the show this week is Canadian-born singer Lauren Bush. We're going to be playing tracks from two of her albums, All My Treasures and Dream Away, and of course running the interview as well. Lots of great music to bring you on the show this week, including music from many of the guests with us at the club over the course of the next few days, just like the track next to play from Jackie Mo Smith and Smitty's Big Four, often referred to as the feisty little brother of Kansas Smitty's house band. It's a great swinging affair, and joining uh, Jackie Mo on stage at the club this week is going to be trumpeter Laura Jurd. Let's listen to Jackie Mo and Scrapple from the Apple. Thank you. 
so too our first track from our featured album this week and it's no surprise that it's joe joe harrop's brand new album the heart wants it has been receiving rave reviews and fairly so just like this from the observer no less lofty words from the observer stating that words and music come together to tell a story that matters here they combine with a rare mixture of delicacy and boldness i couldn't put it better myself so i decided to lift the word straight from the observer we've got three tracks on the show this week and on the album there are some great guest artists just like on this track featuring jason rebello if ever i would leave you If ever I would leave you It couldn't be in summer Seeing you in summer I never with sunlight Your lips red as flames Your face with a luster That puts gold to shame And if I'd ever leave you It couldn't be in autumn Seeing you in autumn I never could go Summer, winter, or fall 
running merrily through the snow. Or on a winter's evening, as you catch the fire's glow. If ever I would leave you, it couldn't be in springtime. Knowing how in springtime I'd be witched by your soul. Oh no, not in springtime. Summer, winter, or fall. If ever I would leave you, leave you, but oh. And as I mentioned. Two more tracks to play on the show this week from that featured album, The Heart Wants, from Joe Harrop. This coming Saturday, we welcome back Tony Kofi to the stage down at the club, along with Matt Jacobs on piano, Billy Rowlett on trumpet, Myra Brownbridge on bass and Jack Thomas on drums. And altogether, they are going to be playing a tribute to one of the greats, Thelonious Monk. But right now, let's go back to a live recording from a couple of years ago from one of Tony's albums. And this is their take on the legendary work song. Thank you. 
If you remember a few, well, I guess a few months ago now, Vilma Barn was down with us at the club on her album launch for the album So Nice. We've been giving it full support here on the show. And don't forget, if you want to pop over to Vilma's website, you can get all the current gig details there of where she is playing. And she's got some gigs coming up with Graham Harvey too. So let's go and drop a track from that album and listen to the folks who live on the hill. Someday we'll build a home on a hilltop high. You and I, shiny and new, a cottage that two can fill, and we'll be pleased. To be called the folks who live on the hill. Someday we may be adding a thing or two. We will make changes as any family will, but we will always be called the folks who live on the The sort of view that seems to want to be seen, and when the kids grow up and leave us, we'll sit and look at that same old view, just. We too, Darby and Joe, who used to be Jack and Jill, the folks who like to be cold, what they have always been called.
Ahead of hearing from Lauren for the first time on the show, why don't we have another track from our featured album from Joe Harrop, The Heart Wants. As I mentioned, full of great guest artists on the album. We've already heard a track with Jason Rebello. This next track features one of the legends of bass, Christy McBride, here along with Joe Harrop from the album The Heart Wants. We're about to listen to All Too Soon. All Too Soon We had to part The moment you had touched my heart And with you were my dreams All too soon All too sweet was our affair and you put all the sweetness there what a shame what a shame that it has gone all too soon I knew the strange
should know, you should know, you should know as well as I. This love, our love, deserves another try. But you whispered goodbye. The album is available on general release now, so make sure to go and bag yourself a copy. As I say, it's been getting some rave reviews. You can catch some of those over on Joe's socials as well. Over on Instagram, you can read some of the reviews. It's a thing of beauty, full of great special guests, just like we've heard there with Christian McBride. And Joe will be joining me, I think, next week on the show. We've come towards the end of the month. The months pass very, very quickly, don't they? Right, time to meet our guest, singer Lauren Bush. Lauren and I sat down only last week, actually, and uh, we'll be playing tracks from both of her most recent albums. And the first track we're about to play is Lauren's take on a standard. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter, a track you'll find on the album, All My Treasures. And after that, we're going to get straight into the first part of our interview with Lauren. Straight ahead, jazz and conversation. The mailman passes by And I just wonder why He never stops to ring my front doorbell There's not a single line From that dear old love of mine No, not a word since I last heard farewell I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you I'm gonna write words oh so sweet They're gonna knock me off my feet A lot of kisses on the bottom I'll be glad I've got them I'm gonna smile and say I hope you're feeling better And then close with love The way you do I'm gonna sit Bye. 
to the show now, Lauren, Lauren Bush. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, you're on the shortlist. I don't know if it makes you lucky or unlucky, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself lucky. Well, I'm the lucky one for you having the time to come on the show with us. And uh, the first thing, uh, my sort of investigative reporting and my listeners will notice, you're, you're, it's not a British accent, is it? No. I'm foreign shores from Canada. No, yeah, some people find my accent really confusing because I think as a singer and maybe just um, like a spongy type human being, I've picked up a lot of British slang and a bit of it. When I go home, people don't know what I'm, what I'm doing with my voice either. So I am from Canada, but I've lived here for uh, just over nine years. And it's funny you should say that. I've, I've interviewed a number of singers and one repetitive theme that's come up is the way that, that they're very good at picking up accents and... Yeah. Uh, also rhythms of accents, of course, because you listen lyrically, you listen probably even without knowing it, you listen differently to us average yeah. non-singers. Yeah. So, I think it's like a uh, like a type of mimicry almost. Mm. And obviously when I sing and when I scat and things like that, that's what you're doing. And then there's just also the other side of it, which is you just want to fit in. So <laughs> you want to call uh, underwear pet or you call pant, trousers pants one time before you <laughs> <laughs> I've just thought for all the singers I've ever interviewed, and there are a number, I've just thought of a really offbeat question. It's possibly really inane, but can I ask it anyway? Why, when a singer sings, does their accent drop? We can't hear if they're American. You know, tends to be a fairly, you know what I mean? Singers' accents, per se, are fairly neutral. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, I think... Well, I had this, um, well, I'm, I would say argument, he would probably say discussion with um, singer Shane Hampshire, who is like um, Frank Sinatra, Michael Buble sort of tribute. He's excellent. He's a really, really talented singer. And he's, he asked me one time um, how he could get better at singing like Michael Buble because his accent is Canadian. And I was like, you don't need to sing with an accent. You just sing like you. And he made a really like strong point for saying, no, when you sing like in the style of, uh, I guess, like big band jazz music and stuff, you need to sound like those guys, which I've never thought about before. So I think my, I don't put on an accent when I sing and I don't, there are certain British people who definitely don't put on an accent mm. when they sing. Like Jamie Cullum says, can't, not can't. There's some. I'm going to be really careful with the edit on that. You know, I've got to be very careful. <laughs> She's right. Canadian and she said can't. 
can't, <laughs> not can. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's definitely like diphthongs and the way we open our mouths and say certain vowels, it just, you say it in a way that suits the song or suits your own um, like projection of that sound rather than thinking about your own accent. Mm -hmm. So sorry, I, 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 that wasn't a, a question I had in mind to ask you at all. It just suddenly came to mind talking to you now. It's very thoughtful. I'm not sure. And be honest, sleeve notes to your next album. Obviously, we've got you on the show this week because in a, a couple of days, well, when the interview goes out, it would have just been released, actually. It had been out for about three or four days. But uh, Friday, the, I'm trying to look for a clock, is it the 14th? Yeah, it's the night, and then it was the 15th tomorrow, and the launch is on the 15th. Uh, there we go. So yes, Lauren's album. We've been playing tracks on the show. You were kind enough to send it through to me a month or so ago in advance. And we've been... Uh, Gazzy, it low. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. I like good music on the show. So let's go back to the beginning then. So I know your dad was a trumpeter. And I think your mum taught uh, band music in school. So she was a music teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up with music in my life. Oh, and I... Only child or... I've got a little brother who he's very musical, but he's totally taken his own path in a completely different direction. Um, but yeah, I, I tried to sort of deny it. I, I was always very musical and very creative and I knew I wanted to do something creative. When I was really small, I wanted to be an actress, but then I realized quite quickly that I wasn't very good at it. I don't, I'm not very good at memorizing things and I just want to do my own thing. That's why I just, I like being a singer. I, like, um, I guess I say, Quite honestly, I'm a diva about it. I don't want to be in a choir where you have to make, like, you know, teamwork and make friends a lot. And I teamwork. Teamwork's <laughs> well overrated. <laughs> Why do you think I sit in here by myself doing this? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I think I tried, I, well, I, I was made to take piano lessons. So I grew up, like, knowing how to be quite musical. My ears were very developed and stuff. And um, in university, my dad is a professor of jazz and he runs the big band. And he, I said, I, well, I'd like to sing with the big band. And he said, okay, well, I've never heard you sing. So then I'm at the audition. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of your dad. So he made me audition. I couldn't believe it, the goal. But anyways, I did manage to find, get a spot in the band. Um, and that was it. So I kind of pretty much had the bug and that was it. I never wanted to go back. Were you on the same rate as the other singers or did he give you family discount? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. There was there were a few of us, but I was definitely for a while I was the only singer. Because you used to you used to go along and watch him early on, didn't you? To get that's when you began to get your jazz teeth, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think like because my parents are both musical, my mum just kind of they just let me around me and my brother around, like, this is what we're doing. Like, too bad if you don't like it. And I can remember being really small and like having naps in the car and his gigs and things like that. It's just part of part of the lifestyle I suppose and like late nights and and lots and lots of um supporting other musicians and things like that so but it's uh I don't know I'm quite glad I grew up that way so what's the education scene like were you educated in Canada or in the U.S. um I studied I studied in Texas of all places my family sort of ended up there by accident and we lived there for four years so my degree is I I started studying interior design and then I realized that I wanted to be a singer. And so I switched my career path and got the rest of my degree in music. So I have the most useless piece of paper ever made. It's an, a dis, an interdisciplinary degree in interior design and music, which means I have no upper level credits whatsoever. Okay. And there's literally nothing I can do. 
<laughs> that is a first interior design and music. Although you should be able to make a really lovely club. <laughs> you could design an Olympic jazz club. That's what I should be doing. We're, we're, talk business plan. we're talk business plans after this. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll set something up, a speakeasy okay. club, you know. I've got it in mind. You can be a producer. <laughs> I'm always, yeah, behind the scenes, doing my own thing, my own thing. <laughs> so when you, so you went for a formal, or at least finished off in formal education in music, but did you ever bother going through the whole degree route or were you by that stage beginning to gig? Yeah, and then I I just started gigging and I just did it for a while. I did it on the side. I did get my teaching degree. I've got a degree, a fashion um, of education as well, because both my parents, uh, while they are both musicians, they're both teachers. Educators, yeah. If you want a fallback, we, yeah. we shouldn't call it a fallback plan, but it was a fallback plan. They said, you can be a musician, but it's hard work. It's really hard work. And if you don't like it, what are you going to do then? So I said, get your teaching degree. And I've used it. That's how I moved over here. Get it, I got a um, job supply teaching. And was able to sort of, you know, make ends meet that way while I tried to gig and go to jam sessions and stuff. So you said your dad was a, a educator at degree level uh, yeah. at a university. Was he ever a full-time pro musician out gigging full-time as a sole job? Yeah, like from before I was born till I was about 12, I think, is when he started to get into teaching in the um, post-secondary education. He got his master's degree and that's what sort of got him going in that. So obviously it gives an idea two points to me. A, he understands very much the vicarious nature of a musician's life that you can be busy, well, famine or feast in essence, isn't it? Yeah. And and also the fact that there's with that comes little security and I'm guessing that's part of what was in his mind when he was offered this job in education. It was, yeah. he had a family then and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just kind of think about what, I think some of it might have been exhaustion too, because you can you can work as a as a freelance musician. Can it's but it's hard work, as I'm sure through the pandemic. There's probably a lot of musicians that were forced to slow down and actually thought like, "Holy crap! I've been just burning the candle at both ends for years now." Um, but yeah, he um, he was very good at it. I think so. When when he started to realize that he getting his master's degree might lead him into that strand, he sort of took it and ran with it and we ended up in texas because a, a good job came up but and we always joke about how like texas it's another world it really is but if he hadn't done that he wouldn't have got the job he has now which is in british columbia in canada and it's like the most beautiful place and the most awesome job for him and if he hadn't had those horrible four years he wouldn't be where he is now so it all worked out in the end so when the pandemic hit you were presumably in london yeah. and this is your home so you stayed here through the pandemic did you yeah, yeah, we talked about, my partner and I um, talked about moving home, um, but we just, our lot, like nine years, you build up a pretty decent network of friends. And, of course, yeah. Yeah, so it just made sense to stay um, here. It was hard. There was, a, I think it had been about two and a half years since I'd seen my family. Um, I did get to go home in the summer, which was really nice, just do the whole family thing for uh, five weeks, which by Lovely. the end of that, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The voice of honesty, all through this little plan day, people saying, we need family time. It's like, come on, you know at Christmas you're going to argue, come what may. So you know, <laughs> the fact that last Christmas was in isolation, it's like, well, it saved a couple of arguments. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> absolutely true. Family is great until it's not. <laughs> and then it's funny, something else you just mentioned there about musicians possibly being exhausted and burning a candle at both ends. There's one particular guitarist that I, I certainly remember having a, a chat with and saying that during the pandemic, he hadn't gone to bed after midnight 
in, in like months and months and months. And he didn't know how he was going to condition his body again into doing the two, three o'clock yeah. in the morning stints. It's the whole body clock's a fascinating thing. It, you, it does get used to what we're asking of it, doesn't it? And if those hours are what are required for your job. So do you still supply teach or are you now you, you're full time? I teach. I've got um, right before the pandemic, I was offered a job teaching music in a little private school. So I teach four days a week right now um, to kids from it's a three to 11. So nursery is a whole new world. A loud, very, a loud world, I would imagine. Yeah, they can be loud. Yeah, they, they're they very um, like our first lesson was just coming down the stairs into the music room and sitting in a circle. That was about half an hour. And then it was time to go. But they're very sweet. And I think I'm I'm so much happier teaching music all, the, all day long, because even though it's not me focusing on my music and singing the songs that I like to sing, I'm still singing. I'm still being musical all oh, day, mm-hmm. four days a week. So. It's really good. And I feel like I learn a lot from them and I practice my piano skills and all kinds of stuff that I wasn't doing before. So, so it actually gives you a little bit of time just to keep your hands in it. What you need yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the, just before the interview, you said, I don't know what we're going to talk about. There's nothing unusual about me. And I said, yeah, right. Okay. The path, the fact you've got this album coming out, you've moved over here from Canada. It's your second album. And you also opened for Maynard Ferguson, didn't you? Who, I mean, as a high end trumpet, I mean, oh, some of the, some of his albums are just insane. So, Peter Ferguson is the real deal. I will say, as much as, much as it is a highlight of my career, doing that and definitely watching him play after was like so awesome. He was, um, it was a bit funny because the uh, I was singing with the big band and we all were very excited about meeting him and he just wasn't up for it. So he kind of came out and like greeted the band and all tons of the. Um, instrumentalists had brought like albums and stuff for him to sign so he got his manager to take like collect them all and take them into his trailer and he signed them all in his trailer and then like brought them out and they're like there to get (laughs) I always assumed backstage you know if you're supporting everyone would know everybody and you'd all get on I had like his own little room I I can't remember if it was a trailer or a room but yeah he was not he wasn't really up for the socializing but Man, oh man. Well, just being able to say that I got to share the stage with him. In fact, I'm just thinking I've got a fantastic version of MacArthur Park that he plays. I must play that on this show. I will oh. I will I will dig that out on this show because it's it's one of the most magical numbers, it really is. That's true. That's a wicked. So is that a, was that a tour that you were on with him? Um, it was. He, uh, we didn't do the whole tour. It was through the university. He happened to come through where we were in Texas and he needed somebody to open for him and we just happened to I can't even remember where it was. It might have been Dallas. Um, but yeah, he came and, and just happened to be coming through. And I don't know if it was my dad that organized it or somebody that said like, well, this is happening. So we might as well. I, I did wonder with the trumpet connection, whether your dad happened to know Maynard or Maynard's <laughs> people or something. I did wonder. But uh... Oh man, anything. I, well, he, yeah, I'm not, he was probably more excited than I was. <laughs> yeah, my little girl sing with Maynard. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let's begin to bring things a little bit more up to date. Your first album, which was All Treasures, that was produced by Ian Shaw, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. How did that come about then? <coughs> when I first moved here, um, I I knew that I wanted to to put out an album because I just I had all these things saved up in my head of songs that I wanted to sing, and I'd met this um, piano player called Liam Dunnicky who lives in London and he's just an unbelievable pianist but he's an amazing arranger and I just he's arranged your new album hasn't he 
Yeah, he arranged he arranged the first one and he arranged this one. And he we've been chatting and he said, Well, like like just let me know what you want to do and we'll do it. And he he suggested that I get in touch with Ian um for a lesson. And I just well, I went to the lesson. He was teaching at Guildhall at the time. And so I went down to the Guildhall and and had a lesson with him. And at the, he was so complimentary. And I don't know if he was just being nice or if he genuinely thought that I was talented, but I just, he built me up so high that at the end, bless him, I said, would, do you produce? I think I knew that he produced things. I said, would you produce my album? And he just went, okay. <laughs> so it was like, right. Pretty made up then. In the bag. So that kind of, yeah, sealed the deal. And I just had to get going on it. And it was just, it was the, like, I'd never done anything like that. So it was just so much fun. And he is so um, inspiring, but he just, his ears are so like, he's so good at hearing yeah what's supposed to be there that and he was just very very good at pulling it out of me he Mm. knew what I was capable of and he knew how to how to get me focused and how to get me on the right track to make sure that I was going to do my best which is the role of the producer isn't it to bring the very best out of the artist in front of him or her yeah and on this album we I wasn't going to um going to ask him because I thought oh maybe that's a bit like cheeky to be like can you do it again kind of thing um and we did a few tunes without him. And what that was what I realized. I was like, huh, so that's what a producer's for. We need to get him in here because he just brought so much to the table. It's one of those things where you, you don't know how much they bring mm. to the table until they're not there. Mm. And, and yeah, I just couldn't believe. Anyway, so we got him in and he sorted me out. And I'm just, I'm really surprised by the the quality of this album because it's not... I think the first one was very much me orchestrating what I wanted, whereas this one kind of came about differently. And when it came when it came to a finished like uh, close at the end, and I listened back, I was like, "Huh, I didn't really know that I could do that, or that this was the direction I was headed." dream you are too wonderful to be what you seem could there be eyes like yours could there be lips like yours could there be smiles like yours honest and truly you stepped out of a cloud i want to take you away away from the crowd and have you all to myself alone and apart
too wonderful to be what you seem Could there be eyes like yours? Could there be lips like yours? Could there be smiles like yours? Honest and truly, you stepped out of a cloud I want to take you away, away from the crowd And have you all to myself pleasures of this job is getting to sit down and chat with some amazing guests just like Lauren. Uh, the track we just listened to there is track one from her current set, You Stepped Out of a Dream. The album is Dream Away and more from Lauren in just a short while's time and more of her music too. Earlier this week we had Paul Edis and his trio down at the club and if you recall Paul was our guest on the show last week. If you missed the interview you can go and take a listen to it over on Mixcloud, you'll find it there. But uh, let's take a listen to another track from the album that we didn't get around to playing on the show last week. The album, the brand new album released on Naturalized Records is The Still Point of the Turning World and this is Detour Behind.
On the show this week, still music to come from Zoe Francis, Jim Mullen, and also from Noel McKellar, all guests with us at the club over the course of the next few days. Right, we're going to get back into the second part of our interview now, and of course that is with Canadian-born singer Lauren Bush, and we're about to listen to a great version of Hopelessly Devoted to You. Straight Ahead with David Lewis. Hopelessly devoted to you 
Of course, an album has quite a long gestation period, doesn't it? And so by the time you get towards the end of recording it and you listen back to the early cuts, and even if they're not finished cuts of, of tracks on that album, I guess it the whole, well, you change probably and what you're trying to create changes. Because how long did this album take to make? I'm assuming yeah. a good few months. It took, yeah, it took a few months. Uh, the, at the beginning, it went, it happened super fast because I was like absolutely itching to do something. It had been a real, like first one came out in 2016. So I was like, if I'm going to do something else, it needs to be soon. I'm now, like, yeah. People are going to forget that I exist. So um, I, as soon as we were allowed out of our houses in 2020, I think it was August, I booked a studio and said to Lee, I'm like, we're going and we're just going to practice, like play songs until we get enough to make an album with. So he, I made a list of like 40 tunes. And then I said, you pick. And I think I had like three or four that I wanted for sure. But I said, you pick the rest. So that was fun because it was his picks were maybe a surprise to me, something I might not have picked otherwise. Um, and then we booked the studio like a week later and just boom, 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 four days. And then it wasn't until we listened back a bunch and that's when I asked Ian to come in and we did a bit more in October. So then I think, and then the, obviously mastering and all that takes. So it was, yeah, by the time it was done, it had been probably six months start to finish. And you started what in, in last year, did you or just before, in the end of 2019, I guess? Yeah, we we recorded it in August 2020. Yeah, and finished probably in January or February of this month, or this year. So they're two constants, then Liam and Ian are, are constants on both of the albums. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's interesting, everyone, I've only met Ian once uh, at the Six, and of course you were at the Six last weekend, weren't you? Yeah, I was doing a different thing with this um, piano player, Italian piano player. Marco. Marconi, yeah. He's... I really like Marco. His energy is like nothing else. He's just so full of beans and we have a good time together and I can count on him to sort of like make sure, you know, listen, we, we banter off each other, like in the actual music and on stage in between, which I really like. There's nothing worse than having to like, you know, tell a little joke or something and turn to the piano player to go like, right. And they just sat there. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep that sort of like, like I said earlier, I'm a sponge. I wanna, I wanna be like riffing off of people. Musically. He's got, he's got that Italian flair, isn't he? That that energy. Yeah, absolutely. Because you were doing a Duke Ellington songbook, weren't you? Yeah, he and I were paired up by um, Sebastian Scottney that runs the London Jazz News. I don't know why he thought, but he just emailed me one day and was like, "I think you'd really like Marco." And so we got together. He, Marco and I got together and and just played some music and he said why don't we do a duo and I said well we could do this and we could do we had like quite a few ideas and I said what about taking Duke Ellington which is like usually big band stuff and doing it in duo and he thought that was cool I'm, I really like singing Duke's songs they're very eclectic and harmonically interesting and stuff and I just thought you know his life tells a story there's a lot of interesting facts that you can sort of include in an in a tribute type act so we we did the first one at the six on Sunday and it was uh, quiet because there was, um, I think it was the only the first or second Sunday lunch that they've been doing. Back open again, yeah. That's worth mentioning, actually, in case anybody wants to know. The six is doing Sunday lunches, Sunday lunches again. There's always twice on a Sunday, isn't it? That's one that comes in yeah. features. Yeah, so it was just really nice to get it actually out there because practicing it a while. and uh, It was really well received. Um and we just, uh, there were so many other tunes that I was like, man, I got to put this in my actual set. Like what, like not just for this, but I'll keep these around. They're 
they're excellent too. Well, much like you actually, growing up, my, my dad was a musician and a, bit, a massive big band listener as well. And I grew up listening to Kenton's Heats, Basie and Ellington. And Ellington always stood out. I didn't, to be honest, as a youngster, I didn't really like it. And I think what it was, it was too intricate. I didn't really, I'm not saying I understand it now, but at least got more of a concept because, you know, he goes, he often has suites and movements in his track. His, you know, his, his, his arrangements are just were phenomenal, weren't they? And as you say, it was the intricacy of his, of his arrangements that were stunning. Oh, yeah. He, he was so ahead of his time as well. Like some of the stuff that he was doing, like harmonic, all the chromaticism in his ballads and stuff like that, that wasn't happening around him. He was sort of making that up, making mm. it up. Now we look back at that and it's genius. And of course, that's why his music is so um, like legendary today. That's what sets them apart, right? So Dream Away, let's talk about it. It, it. As we record, it's coming out in, well, two days time. What's this period of time like for you? Is it nervous or is it kind of a quiet calm? Because it's, it's in the bank now. You can't alter it. What's done is done. The CDs are there. The downloads are ready. I know it's, it's a bit strange. I keep thinking, I, oh, I need to be doing something. I should be doing something. But there's not a lot I can do. I just have to wait for it to come out. So I've got... Um, are you self-releasing? Or are you with a, a Yeah, I am self-releasing, self-releasing it. It's... Um, one of those things that kind of just happened, I think, and maybe like we were talking about how being as like less of a team player, I like to be in control of these things. And I think in the present day, honestly, li- releasing it music independently isn't that hard. It's it's a lot more common, mm. and it's the way it happened. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so the, all the process of getting it up onto the streaming platforms as a self release is that must say straightforward. Is there a decent process to follow to get up onto Apple Music and onto <laughs> dare I mention to Spotify? Yeah, yeah, there are um, distribution like companies and things like um, Distro Kids, yeah, no, and um, CD Baby and things like that that make it. They do, and there's so much information out there. I think at times I felt like there's so much information you don't know what to like how to sort of organize your thoughts and get it all done and what's the right way that can be a bit tricky but I think over the time that I've lived in the UK I've really tried to build up a network of people just like who you know and just you know get to get to know everybody and Mm -hmm. that's really helped because there's so many people who know who can Mm -hmm. help if you're nice to them and you know you support each other and things like that what I've learned is also the jazz community is quite a tight community. And most, I was going to say us, I'm not really involved. You know what I mean. But we've got one another's backs, you know. I mean, obviously, I do my part by trying to give it some airplay, some time, some publicity to make sure people know that you're releasing albums. And I suppose we all have our little part to play. I mean, you know, you're the talented end. Uh, I kind of hit play. But, you know, just make sure that the music, people know that you've got an album out. So that's the important thing as well, isn't it? Because the publicity, presumably... Social media, you have to spend a fair bit of time on. And I'm sure over the next couple of days, I follow you on social, I begin to see the, oh, yeah. the images coming out. Yeah. I think that part is the bit that's overwhelming because you think, is it enough? Are people seeing it? And like, you get caught up and who's following you and likes and comments. And should I do stories or should I do this reels? And yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And it can be, it can be a bit disheartening when you think, if you think you're not doing enough or you think other people are doing more. I, I've said so many times in the last year, I just don't want it to get lost in the crowd or lost in the, in the fuzz, you know, I want this album to like get, have its little moment, its platform to like come out in the world and, and see, cause I want everyone else to see, uh, what I'm so proud of, which absolutely brings me to my main point is all of that stuff is 
hard work and there's a lot, but ultimately I'm so proud of what we made that honestly, it could just get shoved under the bed and I'd be happy. No, but it doesn't deserve that. As you say, your baby deserves that moment just to flourish and be heard and be seen. And, you know, and and hopefully, well, I'm so glad we could get together just at our release time to get that sorted because... No, I mean, you know, uh, jazz musicians have a tough gig, you know, without a doubt, because I know there's a couple of stations that say they play jazz, but not a lot, to be honest. And, you know, just trying to give this music an airing and a vehicle where it can be heard and get the person out from behind the CD so we can actually hear you and get to meet you. I think that's, again, a very important part of the process. So when people are listening to the CD, they feel they can know you a little bit better and what went into it. Yeah, that's what I love about the artists that I follow, getting to know them as people or like just seeing sort of, yeah, behind the scenes and seeing what they're like and definitely going to gigs and and like seeing the personality and the character. That's what I love about Ian Shaw. You mm-hmm. go to a gig and he's... You know you've seen him. Hater, you know? Same with Leanne Carroll. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. You just want to like go up the at the end and hug her. <laughs> You'd be like best mates, but it's... Uh, just a good point, actually. I mentioned where people can find, it, and you are super easy to find because actually you've got the same address virtually across everything, haven't you? Your Lauren, Lauren Bush Jazz on Instagram, on Twitter, on Bandcamp, and that's your website as well. So, and um, people can buy your music from Bandcamp, which is again a great place to go grab it, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's the best place I think because it's so supportive of the artists. They're they're uh, at the focus of the websites. And as and as much as I hate the S word, I mean, with Spotify, if you. The only thing I wish for is that you get on some mammoth playlist. Because if you manage to break onto a playlist, again, that helps get you the publicity that you need, doesn't it? And brings the air to your baby. So I've had this conversation so many times. I'm not sure quite where I fall, if it's a good or bad thing, but it is what it is. You've got to play the game. Yeah, it's a tricky one to know. But I think, like you said, you got to play the game. Everybody's playing it. So you can't just really be, like stick your head in the sand and think, well, um, I'm not going to play because, well, then you're going to be standing on the sidelines watching everybody else play, aren't you? <laughs> so where, you, you said you've got the uh, official album release gig coming up. Where's that going to be? Oh, it's at Pizza Express, Dean Street, the big, um, the like official jazz. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah Pizza Express Jazz Club. Like, That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably my favorite place to play. I really, I've got to know the people who run it so well over the last couple of years. Um, they're always at uh, the Jazz Ahead Conference in Bremen, Germany every year. And I go there and they've, they're just so supportive and helpful. And they really want to see good jazz in London happening. And they've always supported my career. So I'm really excited. My last album launch was there. And so it just made sense to to keep that traditional. I have been really excited about it. And so what, what's next on the plans for you then? I mean, do you even begin to think about will there be another album? Or is it at the moment, it's just this has got all your energy, all your attention, and that's where you're at? Um, I think about other things in the future. There's um a couple of years ago, I did a Canadian songbook gig in the London Jazz Festival in 20. 20- I beg your pardon. I didn't know there was such a thing. A Canadian <laughs> Oh, dude, you don't even know. The Canadian I honestly don't, no. Is, if you think <laughs> about it, there are so many Canadian musicians that are, maybe you just think they're American. Uh, Leonard Cohen is Canadian. Joni Mitchell is Canadian. Um, David Foster, who found, found Michael Bublé. Yeah. Is Michael Bublé is Canadian. I watched a documentary uh, on David Foster actually not long ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a real big deal. Uh, Celine Dion is Canadian. Um, there's the list goes on. Oh, Shania Twain is Canadian. There's like such a 
a wide, wide, wide range of musicians and well, really well-known singers and so- singer-songwriters, a lot of. Oh, so, so you're thinking of pulling, so rather than just being, say, straight jazz musicians, you're thinking of pulling together the sounds of Canada, as it were, and making that yeah. a Canadian songbook. Yeah, so I forget. I think it was a Pizza Express connection. Um, the One of the guys that runs it, Joe Pace, he... I, I was trying to get a gig. I was trying to like, come on, Joe, anything, come on. I could do this. I could do that. And I said, oh, I could do um like a Lena Horne tribute. I could do like a, a Sheila Jordan thing. I could do, maybe I could do a Canadian gig. And he read my lips and just went, okay, yeah, Canadian gig. And I was like, wait a second. What? What have I just said? <laughs> I yeah. But you know what? It was such fun find like researching and looking into all the songs that kind of either crossover so like some Joni Mitchell um and um, Leonard Cohen stuff sort of just really lends itself to jazz um and then there are some that are not jazzy at all but we did them in a very jazz jazz or uh, like arranged them in a jazz way and I did it with Liam on piano and then Ian Shaw um who has quite a large connection to Canada because he does the I don't know if I'm allowed to mention his other his accidentally Jazz FM, the Ronnie's. Ronnie's Scots, yeah. So that. They, they just copied us. That's a, that's well, yeah. <laughs> Imitation is the biggest form of flattery. You got it. No, I know. Yeah. That's a great show, yeah. yeah. So his, um, his show airs in Canada on Jazz FM. And, uh, yeah, it's called Jazz FM 91.1, and it's a big deal in Canada. So he's got that connection. So um, when I, he found out I was doing this, I think that Joe Pace got us in touch as well. It was like, this would make a lot of sense to do together. Anyway, long story short, it was good fun. And I, I thought, wouldn't this make a good album? So that's always on my mind. Maybe I need to get myself to Canada. Maybe well, I've missed my calling. You never know. See, I've given you the jazz club. We're starting a jazz club together. Maybe now we're going to Canada and we're going to take over the airwaves. This, this interview, a lot's happened, lady. A lot's happened. <laughs> I love it. Maybe See, we should start the jazz club in Canada. You'd have hey, to why did you think of that? <laughs> See, that's why you're the brains of this deal. <laughs> also, I was just thinking with your upbringing, a, a, a big band album, would that be a possibility? Yes. That I is. mean, apart from the pounds and pence and the, <laughs> the money, let's yeah, leave that the exactly it. I would absolutely love, I love singing with a big band. And you know what? I've, I've, um, not to like harp on it or anything, but I've reached out to so many big bands in this country. And for some reason, there's, they've all got a resident singer. So I haven't really managed to break into the big band scene here, but, um, I absolutely adore singing with a big band. And that is for sure something I'd love to do. It like, it just seems a perfect tie up for you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I was lucky enough that when, once I got singing with the big band in, in um, Texas, my dad writes arrangements and um, he writes his own music as well. But he wrote a bunch of jazz uh, big band um, arrangements for me. So I've got, I think it's eight, it might be 10 arrangements of like all of me and I thought about you and sunny side of the street and stuff that are so, like tailored directly to me. There's even one of them that's a big scat section because I really like scatting. So it was like, perfect, I'll just throw that in there. So I brought them over with me and been I've been hawking them to the big band leaders all over the city going, anybody want these? <laughs> how hard is it to practice the art of scatting? Sorry, I'm going to let you go in a minute. It's just I just had another question come to mind. But how, how, how uh, that I would imagine as easy and as free as it sounds is possibly really tough. It is the most 
like it's not simple but it's the most um relaxed I just it comes so naturally to me it just I like being able to express myself in that way like the way an instrumentalist would share their creative ideas it's the same I really so it's almost your solo it's almost your yeah yeah yeah, and maybe that's the diva in me I want to turn. <laughs> Didn't want to say, but you know. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I just think it it is hard. It can be hard. It all comes down to what, like, listening with your ears and not getting all hung up on the sounds that you make, but the phrasing and, and um, yeah, following the changes and, you know, as the song goes on, that's all very important. The way I learned it is just by mimicking um the greats mostly i started with elvis gerald elvis gerald clearly yeah every freaking scat you silly think of note for note syllable for syllable and then i broke i did a lot of chet baker as well because his solos are very um lyrical because he plays a trumpet and it's very quite um like soft and yeah they're just very lyrical so they make a lot of sense just mm-hmm. in this um same way and then i started to do it myself and once i kind of got the hang of it i just got the bug i absolutely love joining in it makes you feel part of that's the part where you actually do feel like a team member you feel like part of the group and less of a like person up front yeah yeah i just suddenly i because i knew when i was reading about you today i know you said that you do love scatting i just suddenly thought oh that must be a hard discipline to get but i guess it's something you really want to do it doesn't matter how hard it is if it's something you want you get to do it don't you you learn it yeah I think so. I have to remember that not everybody wants to listen to me do it all the time because I can do it. Like every song, I'd be adding a scat. And I think, actually, no, no, you've done like three already. Like, <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> so the album is Dream Away and it will be out in public domain by the time this interview runs. So make sure you go grab yourself a copy. Uh, over on Bandcamp's a great place. Are you doing physicals on your website as well? Um, yeah, yeah. You can uh, join my mailing list and basically just get in touch with me, touch with me that way. I think you can Bandcamp or there's you can get them on um, Amazon, right? Physical copies or yeah, just get in touch with me. My email address is <laughs> There we go. So it's an album well worth listening to. Obviously, we'll be playing more tracks in the album on the show this week. Be rude not to. And uh, as you know, we've been giving it full support over the last few weeks as well. So thank you for getting in touch and sending it. more part of the self release process. We wouldn't have met otherwise. That's so true, and thank See? you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a blast. It really has been. Lowen, it's been absolutely gorgeous having you on the show. Thank you so much. been a right ball of energy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Lowen. That was lovely. Thanks. Sky, so vast is the sky With faraway clouds just wandering by Where do they go? Speaks to the lead, telling stories that no one believes. Stories of love belong to you and me. Oh, Jinji. If I only had words, I would say all the beautiful things that 
Straight Ahead with the 606 Club and David Lewis. you want to find out more about Lauren, don't forget, go over to our website, laurenbushjazz.com. And the, the track that we just finished off with uh, the second part of the interview was her take on the standard Gingy. And then we went straight into Rob Luft, again, another artist who's been with us at the club this week. He was down with his quintet. And we just listened to a track from the album Life is the Dancer and a beautiful track, Sad Stars. So let's now play another track from Joe's album. And this is I Think You'd Better Go. drink a lighter cigarette haven't smoked one of these since we last met he still wear that smile the same you know I think you better go what has a Poor 
such a bitter twist When I think of all the times That we almost kissed And to think we could have made it so I think you'd better go It's too late for the train I've no coat for the rain You shouldn't try to make it in the car Maybe you can feel What I'd best not say Maybe things could go too far Accidental touch I'm Trying not to show it But I liked it too, too much My heart might overflow But I guess you already know It's only tonight That's all that we've got well, Maybe we should leave this thing alone Your eyes say the things That we never say Until it's time to go The music is playing Something beautiful and sad Stirs up memories I regret we never had As above, it is below Maybe we should do What we should have done a long, long time ago We'd better go An album that you'll be needing to add to your collection The latest release from Joe Harp there With Jamie McCready on guitar of course And the beautiful I Think You'd Better Go And the album is called The Heart Wants And more from the album with Joe next week When she joins me on the show And finding out how things are going for her Since the release of that album a week ago Joining us at the club this coming Sunday lunchtime, we're back to two gigs on a Sunday now, both lunchtime and in the evening. And on Sunday lunchtime, we've got Zoe Francis along with Jim Mullen. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful set, as you'd come to expect. We're going to listen to a track from both of the artists, but first of all from Zoe from her most recent album, the Blue Town album. And this is Zoe singing The Meaning of the Blues. The color of the sea Till my lover left me Blue was just A bluebird in a tree Till he said forget me 
to storm Blue is just the color of his eyes Till he said goodbye Love Blue is just a ribbon for first prize Till he said Don't cry, love And blues Were only torch songs Fashioned for impulsive ingenues But now I know To from Zoe, The Meaning of the Blues, and we'll be hearing in just a moment from Jim Mullen on one of his more recent albums. Now, if you go over to our homepage at 606club.co.uk, you will see there that we have got all the details about this year's EFG London Jazz Festival. There are some great acts on at the club during the course of the festival, including Amani's going to be down with us. We've got Mornington Lockett, Gwilym Sincock, and uh, one of our guests recently, Polly Gibbons, is on during the festival, and also Leanne Cowell. So what you need to do is pop on over to the website 606club.co.uk and catch all of the details there and make your reservations. It's bound to be busy, and it's great once again that the EFG London Jazz Festival is going to be live with an audience. Ah, how good does that sound? OK, so I mentioned we are going to be playing something from Jim, who's appearing with Zoe this coming Sunday lunchtime. This is Jim from his big band album, and this is Spare Change.
that was a track taken from the Volunteers album, the big band album released a couple of years ago from Jim Mullen, and Jim is appearing along with Zoe this coming Sunday lunchtime. Many thanks indeed for your company over the last couple of hours, and our thanks indeed, of course, goes to our guest this week, Lauren Bush, and I believe next week is the last week of the month, which means that Joe Harrop will be back with me in the studio, so I hope you can join us both then. This coming Sunday evening, Noel McCalla and Derek Nash bring their Some Kind of Wonderful gig to the club, celebrating the music of Stevie Wonder. So I thought what we'd do this week on Straight Ahead is play out with Noel singing Stevie's Visions. Thanks for company, and I'll catch you next week for more jazz and conversation. People hand in hand Have I lived to see the milk and honey land Hates a dream and love forever stands Or is this a vision in my mind? The law was never passed Somehow all men feel they're truly free at last Have we really gone this far through space and time? Or is this a vision in my mind? Not one who make believes. I know that leaves are green. They only turn to brown when autumn comes around. I know just what I say. Today's not yesterday, and all things have an end. What I like to know is could a place like this exist so beautiful? Or do we have to find our wings and fly away to the visions in our minds?